Hey, and welcome back to Inside the Pressure Cooker with Chad and Morris. Apparently, we haven't offended you guys enough, and you keep coming back, so love it. Today, we're going through a couple things, uh, and if you haven't noticed, we're, we're breaking these up into uh, much smaller episodes that are easier to, to listen to on your way into work. Uh, so... What we're doing is Morris and I are recording episodes. You know, we're spending about an hour or so recording, an hour and a half. Um, and then I'm going through editing these down into two, three, four episodes. Um, and we're, we'll publish those as it makes sense. Um, kind of playing around with the publishing. Um, these ones you're going to be hearing. Experiment I'm going to do, was it Wednesday or Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday this week? I'm just going to do one, two, three. That way there's not too much of a break because it's really one conversation that we're, we're breaking up and splitting it each one up into uh, a week apart. Just uh, that's almost too much. So part one, we're going to be going over a couple uh, rapid fire questions, music in the kitchen, knives, tools, pet peeves. Part two, we're going to be going over wrapping up the pet peeves with Morris Talking about essential cookbooks, um, books that have influenced us in our lives. And then for part three, the best and worst part of being a chef. So keep listening. Thanks for being here. Keep kicking ass, guys. All right. Okay, everybody. Welcome back. We got Chef Morris here. And uh, we're going to be doing some rapid fire Q&A. All right. Morris is going to kick it off for us. Morris, welcome. What's up? You ready? I'm ready. All right. Q1, go. Music in the kitchen, yes or no? Oof. <laughs> if I had to make a hard decision, the, the answer is no. Um, yeah. and, and a couple things. One, it's a distraction um, in some ways. Some ways, I don't necessarily mind it pre, like in prep. Right. If it stays low and comfortable and it's still easy to communicate. Um, once service is open, no music whatsoever. Uh, everybody's entire focus needs to be on uh, production tickets, communication. Right. So no music whatsoever. Um, the other part is by allowing music and saying it's like, OK, we can have some music during prep then you always have like the one station or like someone's in charge of it. Um, and then you've got, well, I don't like their music. I'm going to listen to my music that helps me kind of stay focused. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you've got three different phones stuck into nine pans, right? <laughs> all playing something different. And it's just a clusterfuck of chaos that just in mentally for me, that's not a healthy environment. Right. Because if it feels chaotic, chaotic, then mentally it will be chaotic. Um, so I, I absolutely dread that. And then then that leads into people now are wearing headphones or earbuds. And it's like absolutely not. Right. So that's why it's. If it can be used appropriately, there's one speaker and everybody agrees to it. That's fine. But once it spreads beyond that, then absolutely not. Privilege is gone. I get that. I get all of that. It always has been an issue in the past with, uh, you know, different people want to listen to different music and you've got different phones going in different places. 
I don't allow headphones or earbuds or anything like that on because it's a safety issue, obviously. But um, that all being said, if you can get everybody on the same page, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kitchen life has its own flow, has its own like rhythm. I think having something to go along with that, especially something that keeps the energy up. Well, absolutely. Then, uh, then I'm all about it. I've always loved in the kitchen. Yeah, I mean, if you've got the right crew, and when I say the right crew, meaning like if you've got the crew that's all kind of in sync, where they're all kind of into the same music, and as they're walking in, chefs already got some music going, and they they just kind of hit the ground and they just walk in, and we're like, all right, fuck yeah. You know, and they just it sets the tone and there there there's definitely a lot of positives that can happen from that. Um, but it's a fine line. Yeah. Give them an inch, they'll take a mile, but you just got to be on top of it, you know. But I like having like. Like James Brown and the Ramones are two of my favorite things to play in the kitchen because they just keep you fucking amped up. You know, they keep the, the party going a little bit. Oh, uh, yeah, some high but energy to those, yeah. If it does become a distraction, then it's obviously a problem. But I have been in places where there's, like, absolutely no music and mm-hmm. people aren't talking and it's super quiet. And it makes me really nervous. <laughs> I don't find that a very fun environment to be in. I mean, for the longest time, I mean, you're a pretty kind of quiet person as well. Yeah. I mean, you're very focused when you work and kind of quiet. So, I mean, I don't see how that would make you uncomfortable. I just don't like silence. Like, even when I'm at home, if I'm by myself, I leave a TV on or I leave the music on my phone playing or something just because I don't like silence. Do we need to talk about that insecurity? <laughs> I don't think it's an insecurity. <laughs> <laughs> like we'll save that one for a Dr. Phil episode. <laughs> All right, next. Yep. Do you think it's better to learn to use one knife for multiple tasks or to learn to use different knives for different tasks? Um, I'm going to say one knife. Right. Um, because for the most part, most cooks, when they're coming into their own if you will and they're they're really learning to master the knife you need to master one knife right um and quite honestly very rarely did i need multiple knives to do multiple tasks um i mean really once you become great with a chef knife um and just honestly an eight inch chef knife too it doesn't need to be a 10 or you know, one of those fucking 12 inch, like samurai swords. Um, you know, it's, I don't, man, 12 inch chef knives. I just, I mean, if you're in a work in a cruise ship or something and you're like chopping like seven heads of like celery for your mirepoix kind of at the same time. Sure. But who the fuck does that? Um, but like honestly, an eight-inch chef knife or nine-inch something of that nature, there's not a lot that that cannot do, right? Um, and have that, and then have a a small 
probably five, six inch um, utility knife of some kind for like your line knife um, where it, when you're working the line um, and you just you you're cutting, you're slicing, whatever it happens to be during service where an eight inch is just going to be too bulky. Right. Right. Um, just kind of some basic utility knife. I, until recently, only had, you know, skills with one knife. Just using a chef knife for everything was kind of how I did it until I got to a job where I needed to, uh, it was more butchery of fish mm-hmm. and, and the whole primals and everything like that. Now I break, you know, like five, six knives out of my bag and lay them out on a tray so that I don't have to like go back into the bag every time. But I mean, that really didn't happen until recently. So I agree. Learning to use one knife for multiple purposes is mm-hmm. the start and to learn. And as you get better and you start to develop your skills more and you're being uh, involved with more proteins and stuff like that, where you would need. Yeah. Once you need the specialty stuff. Yeah. Sorry, I, I cut you off there, but yeah, once you, once you need that specialty stuff, um, you know that that's fine. But like I said, I mean, first for a lot of new cooks, don't go out there and, and start spending money on knives you don't need. You need one good quality chef knife, um, and, and that will serve you, God, your entire career, right? And then. Honestly, if it's a quality chef knife, I mean, it should last you, I mean, long enough to have a hand down to your kids um, in, in there. I mean, until you sharpen the fuck out of it and it turns into like a paring knife. Um, but, you know, don't grind the knife to sharpen it. Um, and the other part, you you mentioned this, like when you go in, you'll break out like six, seven knives now. Put them on your tray. And that's, that's part of your mise, right? <clears throat> if you're a new cook in a lot of ways and you're just, you love knives. A lot of us do, right? I've got a massive collection of knives that I guarantee I will never use again, but I will never sell them either. Um, maybe I'll frame them somewhere. I don't know. But when it comes time to when you when you get to your station and you're you're breaking out your kit you're you know what you need to do that day right. so don't just take everything out of your kit even if you know you're not going to use it and just be like well just in case and just and then now you've got your shit all over the place i mean that's how things get lost um that you're just adding clutter to it listen you got a bunch of knives right great you don't need to fucking show them off because honestly, nobody really cares. Um, so only use what you need. Don't buy knives just because they're pretty. Um, we, we talked about this. Um, that, that'll be a good question. Follow up here. Um, and buy for function, right? Do you have anything to add to that? Or should I hit that follow up? You hit that follow-up. All right. Chef knives. Knives in general, right? Um, For chefs. Not necessarily the specific chef knife style. They're... Me, when I say growing up in the industry, 
there are very limited knife brands out there. Um, there are probably more out there than I realized, but I just didn't get into them. Um, and, and honestly, a lot of the Japanese style knives that are out there today just were not popular. Um, you know, unless you were working a sashimi restaurant and it was very specific sashimi knives. Um, you know, I, I want to say it was probably like maybe 10, 15 years ago at most. The Santuco is the one that kind of came into play. Yeah. I'm not even sure who. Um, so, but all the knives were really based on function, yeah. right? Um, the first knife to hit that market in my era that was new, right? Um, there's some air quotes in there, was like the global knives. Yeah. Um, and everybody loved them. Um, and, and honestly, I, I have, I have a couple, um, one, it's like a chef knife and it's serrated. Um, it's their bread knife and it's fantastic. I love it. Um, and, and then I've had, I've used some of the other knives, but they were very thin and they were very lightweight. So it, it just was not, it, it didn't work for me. It was great for a home cook, but in a production kitchen, I actually needed a heavier knife. Right. And they eventually came out with another series called, I think it was the, the professional or the master chef or something. And the, the blades were almost two to three times thicker and they had the weight. Yeah. Um, because as you know, the other part is you let the knife do the work. You don't, you, if you have to like grind through it, I mean, that's how you end up with like carpal tunnel and shit. Yeah. So this is a very long winded question, right? So let's get to it. Knives. Do you buy for function or are you buying for show? Because and how important is the steel for you right now? Because before there was it was German steel, right? There was it was a German steel that we everybody used. Um and and eventually there's some, you know, Japanese steel. Um, I didn't know what the fuck Damascus was until like seriously, like maybe 10, 15 years ago at most. Um, but now, like almost every knife you see out there is a Damascus steel. Um, and even then, it's not necessarily true Damascus yeah. um, because it'll have a carbon core. And then uh, most of them, right, is going to be a carbon core. And then the Damascus is a stainless steel Damascus. Um that is then kind of bonded to that core. Yeah. Um, and, and so uh, a lot of knives out there are just this Damascus, um, which some of them are beautiful. Um, but I mean, why, why is everybody going for this now? I don't know. I'm sure there's some uh, functional, you know, uh, perks to having the Damascus. Uh, no, I've never actually owned one. I just I don't like the look of it, and I like knives that are just like clean and plain. And I buy for function, but I buy for comfort first. Like, does it feel right? 
in your hand. If you're going to be holding that thing for hours and hours every day, you don't want to have to learn to hold it differently or to, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yes. So that's what I've always purchased knives kind of on was um, the feel. And I think that's very important for young cooks too, because there have been times where working with, uh, you know, guys that are just getting started and they've went out and bought, you know, four or $500 knives that one, they don't know how to take care of. And two are just like showy and flashy for no fucking reason. That's not my style. So I, I think it's weird. Yeah. I, I, there, yeah. There's, there's so many flashy showy knives out there and maybe at home, I can understand it, you know, maybe the home cook because they're just like, oh, they don't want the boring knives kind of thing. Um, you know, make it, it kind of helps them with their ego or more confidence at home. Like I'm talking like home cooks, right? Not not professionals in any way. Um, but yeah, for the longest time, like all my were just straight steel. Um, and I actually the only ones that I bought that ne weren't necessarily uh, the straight like stainless were the hammered, the more of the Japanese finish, right? Where it was kind of a, uh, the hammered finish to it. And the function to that actually is, um, very similar to that. Um, Oh, where they, those knives where they kind of do those scalloped pieces to them, like colon shift or something. I forget the term to it, but it makes it like more nonstick. Right. right. So depending on what you're cutting, especially some proteins and stuff like that, is it adds some air gaps to it. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's a beautiful knife. I like the hammered finish to it, um, but it actually has a function to it mm -hmm. as opposed to Damascus, which is really almost 100 percent aesthetic, aesthetic. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it will add some strength, but. I, I mean, it's just the side. The blade itself is going to be the carbon core, right? Which that right there, that blade strength um, is is your core. So whatever's fucking folded onto the side doesn't matter. Right. Um, hmm, okay. I'd be curious. Um so if you guys are listening, anyone out there listening, and you've got a very different opinion, and shoot, shoot us an email. Um, my email is down on the bottom of uh, the show notes there. Actually, not on the bottom, not too far down, right? I, I want to hear your thoughts on this um, because I am I am very curious. Uh, okay. and, and so the other part, um, you mentioned people that are going out buying knives and they don't even know how to take care of them. Carbon steel, a hundred percent carbon steel knife, right? These things are really beautiful knives when you get them. Um, they are very high maintenance knives because there's, they will rust like you've never seen before. So they've got to be treated very, very well, right? I mean, it's almost like your cast iron of knife if, um, and, but I mean, hold an amazing edge to them. And over time, they will naturally patina. 
So yeah. each knife will kind of develop its own unique, we'll call it personality. I have a couple of those and I, I, I bought them because I knew over time they'd patina and, and turn into something unique. Um, and, and I love those knives. Um, but I knew that I had to be in a place where I was ready to take care of those knives, right? That's not a knife that you leave in your, your sandy, um, I don't want to call it bucket, but um, your your court container up top where you got your Mies and stuff, your utility knife. So, I mean, you're going to pull that thing out and everything inside is just going to be a rusted piece of shit. So, um, you know, when, what, what are knives that people are buying that they don't know how to take care of outside of that? Um, from ones I've seen, it's like they're not, uh, they're from very small producers. So they're like handmade knives from, you know, some guy in Colorado that just makes knives and sell them on his own. But I mean, they're like five, six hundred dollar knives. Uh, one, I've never had that kind of money <laughs> to, to spend on one knife. And, and two, I've always been the kind of guy that uh, I'm very good at taking something that might be, you know, cheap and mm -hmm. do very well with it. And I've done that with everything in my life, like uh, guitars too. Like I would buy a cheap guitar and then I would gradually fix it up over time. So that's just always been my mindset is I can take something that's, you know, a hundred dollar knife versus your $700 knife and I can do better with it. Yeah. I, honestly, when it comes to a professional, there is no reason I could think of where you would need actually need a $500 knife yeah, that you couldn't perform the same function and task with your $100 knife. Yeah. Now, one is probably going to hold a blade longer than the other, right? That edge, maybe, right? It really depends on your, you know, your craftsman out in whatever fucking co-op that he was working out of selling his knives on Etsy. Um, but yeah, there's, there's nothing that, that could work. I can't think of anything. Yeah. Me yeah. And, um, guys, it's called a honing steel. <laughs> okay. Let's oh, honing steel. That does it is it will not sharpen your knife. Okay, let's do that one more time. <laughs> no matter how many times you stroke that thing on your knife, it will not make it sharper. It helps maintain the blade. It will not sharpen your blade. Whether it's a couple strokes on there or fucking 500 strokes because you've got nothing else to do. I mean, chances are you're probably just screwing up the edge more than anything. Yeah. So just a couple swipes on it and go. Yeah. The other part where, okay, here's where I could say two chef knives. Okay. Right? Two chef knives. One that you use for proteins, veg, you know, where you want to keep a very clean edge to it right. and then have 
much cheaper knife, right? Which uh, cheaper steel where you're not necessarily worried about the edge as much um, where you can use that if you're cutting through like chicken bones or, you know, where you just know like whatever you're cutting is going to be kind of harsh. Right. So that's where I can see having the two like a chef knives have like lack of a better term, a beater knife. Yeah. Right. And then have something where you keep a, a really clean edge. I would agree with that. I think we beat that horse into the ground. What what one tool besides a knife do you think is important for cooks to learn how to use? There's so many different things going through my head right now. Because there's so many things that cooks learn to do wrong. Um, oh, man. Because there's this term, it's just, you know, finesse, right? And, and so there are other tools that can come along with that. Um, but I think outside of a chef knife, the next tool or the, the other tool that someone needs to be mastering with that chef knife is the concept of finesse. Um, and, and that just means, uh, being gentle with your proteins. Um, you know, not trying to use one of those fucking 10 inch burger flippers into a, a saute pan that's got, you know, a couple pieces of fish that went into it too early and now they're sticking. So you got to feel the, feel the need to just like pry them off the fucking pan with the spatula that's not even going to fucking fit in it. Um, while, while you're spraying oil everywhere because you've also got two inches of oil in, in the pan that you're deep, you're pan frying the fish in. Um, so finesse. And with that, then would be the concept of the right spatula for the job. Um, I use a fish spat quite a bit. Um, and I mean, almost even at home, that's what I use. Right. Uh, even if I'm just flipping pancakes on a griddle, I mean, I'm, I'm using my fish spat. Perfect. Um, it, it is. And, um, you know, the interview we did, I did with Mario, um, he talks about his experience at, uh, with Daniel Balud, um, and, uh, not him specifically, but, you know, using a fish spat and just getting tore up because he didn't have the right spat and it was just a small offset. Right. Um, I haven't used those in the past. Um, but if that's what you want to use, fantastic. Right. It's kind of the same concept. Um, and then the other part is how much oil do you need in the pan? Um, you know, just free pouring oil straight from like that one gallon jug that, you know, someone put a, a squirt bottle tip onto, (sighs) fuck. We could segue very easily into a next question with this one. Okay. Go for it. 
biggest pet peeves in the kitchen? <laughs> Just one? <laughs> no, not one. You can, you can snowball if you want. Um, yeah, deep frying food in a saute pan. Uh-huh. Right. Um, one, I'm, I'm, it's not because of the amount of oil is costing too much. I mean, that is to a degree a concern. Yeah. But the primary concern is you, you're just, you don't know what you're doing. Right. And so then it's like, okay, we need to kind of work on training this, right? One, you really need to work on, on getting the pan hot enough to start with, get the pan hot, right? Then add the oil. And it's really not a lot of oil, like a small squirt bottle kind of thing. Um, it goes into the pan after the pan is hot, yes. right? And then give it some time and then add your protein slowly. Right, in a way <laughs> that is pointed away from somebody else, right, and away from yourself. So as the oil, if potentially could splatter or splash, does not go to the grill guy next to you or onto yourself, right? Yeah. That quickest way to get shanked is to fucking keep splattering people with oil. Okay. Um. And. So, but if you've got, if you're splattering oil out of the pan, you've got too much oil. Okay. Um, and it's remembering it's your, your searing, your sauteing, whatever it happens to be at no, no part of that word includes fry. Right. I mean, if I can see a piece of fish and there's at least an eighth of an inch or not more of like that deep brown around the edges you know you're laughing because you know exactly what i'm talking about right i mean god um you you, adding more oil doesn't not make the pan more non-stick using the pan properly is what makes it non-stick as well as recognizing when to try to flip something and when not Right, because it takes time for once you put something down, it may immediately after you put. Uh, I'm just going to use fish for example. I spend a lot of time with fish. And the other part is I'm a, I'm a saute guy. I'm not a grill guy. Um, I think grill guys are a bunch of fucking egotistical little bitches because they think they're the fucking hot shit. It's like, dude, listen, you you work a fucking. I was ten- a grill guy. <laughs> yeah, well, you you work a ten burner oven where um, or stove um, with just the ovens and you can't see everything in front of you, right? Yeah. You just have to know. Um, and grill's easy, right? Um, everything's- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so the, <laughs> I just lost track of what I was talking about. <laughs> um, so egotistical grill guys might be another pet peeve in the kitchen. <laughs> Um, it's like, congratulations, you hit your steak tips. That's your fucking job. Um, and, um, another thing too, grill guys just don't seem to be as clean either for some reason. Saute guys, 
it requires a lot more finesse. They're, they're like the good ones are. I mean, it, they they are good. It's watching them work is you know a thing of beauty. Their stations are clean, right? And they just know instinctively where things are, when things are done, um, and go through. So where I was going though before I last talked to myself, um, fish, right, goes into a pan. For the most part, I'm using fish for a lot of examples because they're probably the more delicate when it comes to it. As soon as it goes into a pan, no matter how hot that pan was and that oil was, it's going to stick right away. Yeah. Right. And so leave it the fuck alone. Really anything that goes into a pan right away, leave it the fuck alone. All right. Let it do its thing. Um, and as those proteins... Um, we'll just simply, we'll just call it caramelize, even though it's not exactly what they're doing. Um, they will naturally start to lift off that pan. Okay. Um, so that's also another reason why, unless you're taking temps on a piece of fish, all right. Um, halibut, for example, I'm not taking temps on, right. So I'm going to drop that in. I'm going to let that sear. I'm going to let, I'm going to leave that on the, on the burner for about 20, 30 seconds. And then I'm going to go into that hot oven. And then, and, and I'm not going to flip it, right. right? Don't flip it. And I'm going to cook it about 80% of the way in that oven um, on that one side. Right. And then I'm going to pull it out. I will then flip it and then put it on the back. Just kind of wait for a pickup. Right. Um, and then the natural, the residual heat of the two will finish cooking. Um, it, it doesn't need anything more than that. So, um, and then you're going to end up with a nice, beautiful crust to it. Um, so that's why it's just kind of learning the, the work that finesse. Um, um, another pet peeve I've got, I love, um, <laughs> I guess it would be talking back um, to the point where it's like you, the, the ego where it's like, you think you've done nothing wrong. Um, and it's, I've seen you handle those situations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, for lack of a better term, nobody cares. Right. Right now we've got a guest that needs something. Right. Okay, we can talk about if you're right or wrong later. Okay, because right now the guest is determining what's right and wrong. So shut the fuck up and do what's needed. I'm not asking you to have a conversation. I'm telling you what needs to happen to fix the situation. Okay, it's not a discussion. Yeah. That's it. The only thing that needs to be heard is just the word heard. Yes, chef. Or just turn around and get to it. Yep. I don't really care how you want to handle it. You're pissed off at me. I don't care. Right? We can fucking hug it out later. Yeah. Or or fight it out. Whatever. Usually I end up fighting it out, but. Just drop the food. Yeah. I, I don't care. Yeah, those are. Well, and then the other pet peeve. Not respecting the product. Right. And 
when when I go onto a station and I open up like a protein drawer and I just it looks like a fucking tornado hit it. Yeah. And I mean, there's pieces of fish that are just like you I mean, you can't even tell what happened to it. I mean, it's yeah. like was did you use this as a stress ball? <laughs> like what the fuck? You know, um or it's just you, I mean, that's an, a, an example, but I've seen all kinds of things where it's like, come on, man. Like, once again, it's not a monetary concern. I mean, it, that it is a concern that's secondary, right? Yeah. The primary concern is you're not respecting the product. Yeah. Right. So respect the product, take care of the product. The product will take care of you. You're going to end up fighting it a lot less. All right, that's going to wrap up this yep. part of the episode um, for right now. Next episode or the continuation of this conversation uh, will drop tomorrow morning. Keep an eye out for that. Appreciate y'all. Keep listening. Just and please send us some feedback. Down in the show notes, you will see uh, an email link. Please send that over. Um, we'd love to hear some feedback. And second of all, or lastly, I should say, is a lot of the stuff we're talking about uh, when it's possible. I will put links to especially like the books that we're talking about. If you're able to use those links uh, when you're looking for the books, if you want to buy them, um, really appreciate using those links. Yeah. That just helps us um, generate a little bit of money to help pay for the, the show costs. All right. Um, it costs you nothing, um, and no additional cost. They're not more expensive by doing it that way. We just get uh, a small percentage of that sale as a commission. Right? Appreciate y'all and see you tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah.